I am really excited for today's episode because this is a topic, a subject that I hold very near and dear to my heart, and that is jujitsu. For the first time ever on the EIE podcast, we get to get into jujitsu and all the amazing things around it. And you know, the pandemic was a really difficult time for many of us athletes. We were still trying to figure out how are we going to train? How are we going to compete? Everything is shut down. But today's guest was able to find a very creative and inclusive way to continue allowing athletes to compete. And I've had the honor of being on this person's show and being able to sit down with him and have this conversation was a lot of fun. And I think we had a lot of good laughs in there as well. And I think you will too. So let's go. Hi, I'm Cola Shippentower, and this is the Enough is Enough podcast the show where we talk about everything and anything from politics to relationships, from fitness to sex and everything in between. We talk with individuals who have said enough is enough and are ready to speak what's on their hearts. Let's go ahead and get started. I am like, I'm, I'm giddy about this. This is amazing. I haven't been able to talk to anybody from the jujitsu community yet. And this is exciting for me. We're going to go ahead and bring on our guest and Introduce yourself. Tell us what we need to know. What's the haps? What's going on? <laughs> Hi, I'm uh, I'm Ramon Esparza. I'm 34 years old. I'm 5'11". I'm a Pisces. My parents divorced when I was five. Uh, sometimes I do jujitsu, and uh, yeah, I'm just really happy to be here. <laughs> and we get get the whole description from Tinder. If you need to go see that, <laughs> swipe yeah. left or right. That there it is. So tell me about this jujitsu. Sometimes you you do. Does it resemble jujitsu, or are you kind of just out there? What what are you doing? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, yeah, I've been doing jujitsu since two thousand five. It started off with me and uh, a cousin of mine in my living room. Um, I had wrestled, and I was teaching him how to wrestle. And then I got into mixed martial arts. And so I wanted to start doing jujitsu. So it was us practicing in the living room. And then it turned into me and a few friends that were athletes that were uh, playing on some, some sports teams at the local community college. And then finally we got a gym in the town that I was living in, started doing that. And basically I was just doing my best impersonation of Shinya Yoki and uh, Kazushi Sakuraba. Um, and now all these years later, it's, um, it's like a, a weirder version of the same thing, basically. Uh, I, I rolled on Friday. That was the last time I rolled. We did King of the Mat, and I finished uh, everybody with uh, with like a pinch headlock, basically. So my jujitsu was not pretty. No one likes it. It's very ugly. It's uh, unorthodox. But yeah, I, I mean, it works. I don't know. People people get caught up in the Western world about uh, jujitsu and what it's supposed to be. And everyone thinks they're a philosopher. Everyone wants to call themselves a samurai or something like that. It's really goofy. Uh, I want to be in the 7-Eleven parking lot with nunchucks blasting Metallica and then, you know, maybe pick on some nerds or something. That's my jujitsu. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, so that's, that's what I do on the mats every once in a while. Oh my gosh. 7-Eleven parking lot. So is that where we could expect to find you like on the weekends just hanging out? Waiting for yeah, something using, to happen. Using beef jerky as nunchucks for sure. <laughs> you know, yo, that's super dope. Like in a living room. So you guys just, did you have mats at least? Or you guys got rug burns to show for all the hard work that was done in the living room? Right on the carpet. Um, yeah, a lot of rug burn, a lot of uh, achy joints. We didn't know what we were doing. So it was, it was very dangerous. Um, you know, not knowing when to tap or, or what, what, what's... Uh, what's couth and what's uncouth when it comes to, to jujitsu etiquette. Um, everything's much safer now, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, that, that's where it started. And, and now with the pandemic, it's kind of weird because gyms aren't open, but luckily I have a friend with the mat space. Everyone's vaccinated and we, um, we get to train jujitsu. It's pretty cool. Very humble beginning, starting with uh, oil checks and um, teabagging to now very technical terminology. Like you sound like you know all the correct vocabulary and verbiage. I mean, that's way more than I do. Yeah, it's it's just fancier teabags and oil checks. We have lube now, so it's much easier. You know, you know, just to be to be nice to the newcomers so that they know we're gentlemen now. Yeah, <laughs> most cooth. I guess you could say. So I think we should talk about how we how we met. 
let's hear let's hear your side um so for everyone listening this is going to be very exciting actually cola was uh the leader of the underground racing scene down in los angeles and i was an undercover cop sent into infiltrator gang and, and bring her in uh we ended up becoming best friends uh and i i i let her go yeah and then my side is that he actually didn't know that I was a double agent, was just trying to get some intel and brought it back here. And now I've been kind of low-key talking with Mexican cartel, letting him know, yo, he fell off. So we don't need to worry about him anymore. So we're good. Fast and furious. Nailed it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, no, I, I had met up uh, with a friend for lunch. He wanted to talk about toxicity within the gym that, that we were going to at the time. And uh, the conversation ended with, we have to do something productive. We can't just complain. And so he wanted to do a tournament, but he didn't think he'd get done. And I was like, that's bullshit. Uh, it's super easy to do a tournament. I'll prove it to you. And within two weeks we had a tournament. And so now I alone run heart and hustle jujitsu, which is a charity based event, uh, a jujitsu event. And uh, I like to keep, jiu-jitsu as inclusive as possible with the show um it's it's bad enough that like gyms are 80 or 90 percent men um we don't need the confidence boost we don't need the self-esteem as much i feel uh, a lot of times like i can walk down the street at 3 a.m and feel pretty comfortable um but sometimes women can't walk in the daylight during regular hours and feel comfortable and so i just like the idea of, of having a space to showcase women and show that not only do women do the sport, but they're really good at it. They're just as good, if not better than the men. And um, so one of the tournaments I had, I was trying to put on this monster eight woman bracket, which is insane because it's a round robin, no time limit, sub only bracket. Um, but Cola was part of that, that big bracket. And um, that's how we met is I needed badass women. And Cola, of course, stepped up because she's a badass woman. That's how we met. Yes. So Heart and Hustle Jiu-Jitsu Open has actually been a really cool platform. You started this in the in the middle of a pandemic where we're all sitting here like, what's going to happen? Are we even able to compete? Are we even able to train? What are we doing? We have people that are in their dining rooms, like rolling with their tables and chairs and trying to figure out how to stay on top of their game. And, you know, I didn't really struggle with that too much. I was still staying on it. Uh, I was traveling out of state to go train with other people, um, bringing my germs from Oregon to Washington and saying, <laughs> y'all see if you can handle what I'm bringing. Um, I think the gym that I trained at shut down for maybe a week. And that was just as a, as a precaution for some of the other people that are a little bit more leery towards uh, the coronavirus. And um, so I was trying to find where can I go? And I was having to go to like San Diego to low key shows that were going to be posted live stream through uh, some promotions down there. And then I was going to like Subhunter Pro down in Texas because Texas is like, fuck it, we don't need to shut down anything. We're going to continue competing. So it was getting really hard because, you know, those types of shows, not a lot of people know it's, we're not getting paid a shit ton. Essentially, travel's coming out of our own pockets, which get, gets really tough. So when you have athletes going to the show, you start to see who has the heart and dedication for the sport because we're having to pay to play. And it was getting really tough. And I'm like, this is nuts. And then I came across, who is it that showed me? Tasha was on that show on Heart and Hustle. And I saw it and I was like, yo, this is like low key, like starting up. This is dope. Cause it's no time limit. That doesn't usually happen because of course everybody's like, I just want to get done. I just want to go home, finish the thing. And I'm like, this is super dope. So showing up to that show, uh, it's out of 10th planet in Springfield, which they have a really nice space there, which is really awesome and for you to be able to provide a space like that for athletes is amazing I mean you're doing something that you used your creativity and innovation to create this platform and this space to be able to let people continue folding their laundry with bodies still in it <laughs> yeah that's funny it's that's really cool to hear I never think of it that way I think of it as something that I do for fun in my spare time uh I I never really, I never fully understand when people are like, oh, this, you know, this could be big or you can make money with this or whatever. Um, I just want, I just want people in the area to have a place to compete, 
during all this uh, craziness. Um, and I, I definitely don't want to make money. And here's a hard thing. Uh, and I, I definitely feel more comfortable talking to you about this is the idea of decolonizing jujitsu, or at least the way we think about jujitsu, because I, I don't want to charge anybody. I haven't charged anybody. I don't think I'll ever charge anybody. Uh, and all the money goes to charity. Um, I think that that's, that's a good thing. I think that charities are set up for people who, who need that money for important causes. And if we have, if we have the means, we should give our money to them uh, so that maybe whatever it is that they're, they're working on, those people can get better and then they can get involved in jujitsu. And then there's more next to, to strangle. There's more legs to break. Um, you can't do jujitsu by yourself. You know, you can't leg lock yourself. Um, so the sooner we can help our, our, our neighbors and the people in our community, the, the sooner we can get back to the mats with more people, more smiling faces. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you pay $65 for a rash guard, $85 for spats. You know, you, you have to buy all this gear. You have to pay $200 a month to train some dickhead who, who thinks he's a God cause he's got a black belt. You know, I can buy one too. I can go online and I can buy a key and a, a black belt and I can tell you all this dumb shit. I can, I can regurgitate um, some old Greek guy and, and make you think that I'm a genius too. But in reality, um, we're just, we're just trying to cleanse ourselves in a, in a, in a very athletic way um, of, of all the static and noise that everyday life brings us. And, and I don't think that should cost any money. I don't think anyone should monetize that. I think that should be free. And I think it should be for more than just, um, the, the, the haves and the meatheads. And, um, yeah, so it, that, that's just my thought process with, with the show. So it's always nice to hear that it, the show's up and coming or that it looks good or that people like the show. Um, cause that's, that's how I get paid is, is with other people's, um, happiness. And, you know, you mentioned being able to provide a space to be all inclusive. And what was really interesting to me was one of the other athletes on the first show that I competed on was Josiah. And he sent me this me message and said, basically, jujitsu is whitewashed. So it was <laughs> awesome to see an indigenous person there. And I was like, yo, somebody just flat out said what I've been thinking since I joined this sport 10 years ago, which is every single gym you walk into, you're a minority. And it oh, gets yeah. really tough sometimes. And I'm like almost a double minority because I'm a female walking into a gym and then I'm a native. So it gets really, really tough. But this competition, this space has been really cool because it's been primarily women. I've seen more women in this show than I have any other place. And it's been really, really cool to feel really welcomed. And for me personally, and I'm sure a lot of the other athletes you've had there can share or attest to this is that in the pandemic, it was really hard because I had actually caught a, um, I, my space was violated as a woman, as a human being, as an employee of our tribe. And I was in the midst of a sexual harassment case and trying to figure out what I was doing. And, um, you know, it got to a really dark place where I, I'm even like, why, why am I here? What's going on? Our indigenous women are further being violated by law enforcement. Like, and this is going to continue to happen. It got really, really dark. And so we're being told to isolate, like stay home, don't go anywhere. And then don't compete, don't travel, don't do all these things. And for some women, if we're coming into the sport, it's usually for a, a much bigger reason. And it might be our confidence or self-esteem, self-defense, things like that. And it, it chipped away, it ate away at me. And it was really hard because the way I cope is by training and competing and pushing myself physically and also mentally. And so when this show came up, it was at, at the most perfect time. Cause it was like, yo, this is exactly what I needed. So going there, it helped me personally to be like, you have a purpose. There's a reason why you're still here. This is don't let this small man who violated you win in a sense. And of course, legally, all the logistics, he isn't winning. He's about to lose his job, everything that he's got going for him. But what I needed at the time was exactly what you had provided for a lot of athletes. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that can say that to you. And I, I'm pretty sure any of the other ladies would be able to share that as probably a similar story of having a, a space like that. So that was, that was amazing for me. Jeez. Uh, I don't know how to re 
<laughs> reply to that. Uh, that's beautiful. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, you know, the things that happen uh, ha- have happened, but uh, that's, that's, that's pretty powerful. I appreciate that. Um, that's worth me answering DMs at 11 PM and getting up early on my day off to, to drive out to Springfield and do all that stuff. It's uh, that's good. That's, that's, that's worth every bit of hard work for sure. Um, that's awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad that that provided that for you. And you know, when you talked about your, your, your win in this last tournament, um, I, th- I think that was big for, for anybody who isn't white. <laughs> uh, I got a lot of DMS about that and, and people are still fired up. You know, I train with Josiah actually, Josiah is my main training partner. He, he's got the mat space where I train at and, um, he's hyped on it. His brother's hyped on it. His fiance's hyped on it. And so every day I go there and every day I have to hear about, you know, the, the big victory for, for all of us. Cause you know, at that point, you're not just representing yourself. You're representing a lot of people, which is a pretty heavy thing. Um, and that's something I think that a lot of other people in general, not even just in jujitsu don't, don't recognize is sometimes on a daily basis, um, all of our actions hold so much weight, the way we care ourselves, the way we speak. Um, Cause in a, in a weird, unfair way, we're representing everybody who looks like us or has similar last names or, or you know, is, is just not white. <laughs> yeah. That's something I don't think a lot of uh, other athletes who are not of uh, a different race understand for as brown people, when we step into a place like that, it it can be slightly intimidating because we are already looked at, like, what is she going to do? What's he going to do? And that's what gets really tough. Um, I had this really weird experience. So I, w- I was feeling this little bit of a high after your, your last um, show that you did because I, I went through all those chicks and then had to go into this tiebreaker and then overtime. So... <laughs> After that, I'm still feeling this high. We're going to Montana. And I'm like, I got to go to a gym. I got to keep rolling. I got to continue training because IBJJF um, Boise Open's coming up. So I have to stay ready for that. And I went to this gym and I show up and already I'm, I've been doing this for quite some time. So I'm already like, usually when I step into a gym, I'm usually one of the only girls. But also I had to remember, you're probably going to be one of the only brown people on the mat. Um, I walked in that gym. There was one other guy that was black and then there was me. And already I stick out like a sore thumb because it's a female who's obviously indigenous. So like, I'm going to give it to her, which is crazy to think because I'm also a a little higher level because I'm purple belt. So when you get higher level belts in there, for some reason, everybody feels like they have to like show you what's up. And it's like, yo, I've been training for a long time. Like, you don't have to show me anything. Like, let's just roll. And uh, it's very interesting looking at the black belt, looking at his belt and how crisp and clean it was. I was kind of like what did I just get myself into this? I, I don't want to judge the space at all, it, but it was in a garage and it was very interesting. Um, just the setting and the vibe. Uh, he was a little overly excited to have me there, but I was trying to be respectful because it's a black belt. And I try to follow those uh, kind of those just etiquette for being on the mat. And I ended up passing his guard really, really easily. Had him with a very uh, basic cross collar choke. And I think like I'm 95% sure he went to sleep because I heard snoring. And so I let go, didn't want to create a scene and kind of looked and was like, is he okay? And then he kind of opens his eyes and he like kind of motions like, come on. (laughs) And he's moving very slow and very just wasn't how it was when we first started. And I was like, oh no, I think I put him to sleep. So now I have to be careful. I'm here by myself. My husband's at his work uh, conference. So I don't know, like if something crazy happens here, who am I going to get a hold of? And so that's something else that a lot of people should take in consideration when women are traveling and we're going to different gyms. And if they're new to your gym, you have to think about what's going through their mind. So I'm like dropping a pin to my husband, my mom, this is the gym that I'm training at. This is what's going on. Cause you don't want to, you definitely don't want to go into a gym thinking like it's a jujitsu gym. Everybody has the same respect for each other, but also women, we have to be careful about that. We have to think about our personal safety. But a couple rounds later, I was rolling with everybody else and it was fine. And he came back and he's like, I want to roll with you again. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, eventually throughout the roll, he ends up, I was inverted and he ends up dumping on me hella hard. And I hear like a crunch and a pop in my rib. And I'm like, oh no, did he just do what I think he just did? And I kind of like just relaxed for a second and I was like, I can breathe. I'm fine. I'm moving. And the next thing you know, I'm getting ripped up like 
with his forearm blading across my nose to pull it up and then to my teeth and then to my neck. And I'm like, all right, tapping, but I, I'm super stubborn as well. That's the indigenous blood in me. It's just like, I ain't going to let this motherfucker see me like phased by this right now. So I'm kind of like, all right, thank you. Bowed, shook his hand, was like, all right, cool. And then nobody else wanted to roll with me. And I'm like, this is very hmm. strange, but I'm going to grab my stuff. Y'all have a good time. And I'm, I'm mentioning other promotions like IBJJF. Like, have you, have you guys competed? What's going on? They're kind of like, what? What is that? So then I was questioning the legitimacy of everything in that gym. It was really weird, but oh wow, yeah, but it was very strange. You know, it's, it's awkward for people of color sometimes to have to travel outside their home gym to go see other things. So I, I definitely thought that was a really interesting point that Josiah brought up and he was just so out there with it. And it was dope to me. Cause I'm like, yo, somebody's saying exactly what I've been thinking for, for a really long time, but just the inclusivity of your, promotion has been really cool and I felt nothing but welcome when I come into that place um I, I still get the oh no like how like what's she gonna do like how's this going I'm showing up still like these girls are really intense like Gabby was one of them she's like hitting herself and I'm like I don't know what that is but I want to try it and it's super intense <laughs> I'm super chill like I just gotta roll out my legs and get warm get ready but you know it still provides this really intense vibe for other athletes that are looking for promotions to go into you still get that sense of like yes I'm here like yo let's go like let's roll and what was really cool was this last uh show I was able to bring my little cousin Trey how was that for you that was amazing. Uh, that was amazing for everybody. And I think that it was so fast that people even forgot that it happened. So I have to remind people, I, I, I have to, I have to repost that again um, to our, to our feed because that was, that was rad. And then what's funny is, is the kid that he faced is kind of a phenom and he had won a tournament and, and at our show, and he's been doing some, some really big things he was so adamant on trying to run that back. And it's like, look, bud, I didn't maybe, maybe take it easy. <laughs> you just got blown out of the water. Maybe go home, regroup, train some more. I don't know. Um, cause, cause Trey put on a show and I think he showed that, uh, he's on a whole nother level and it, it because it went so fast, you, you kind of have to wonder like, how good is this kid? Really? We, we know he's good, but we don't know how good the sky's the limit and maybe even beyond because, flying try who who does that well what the level of athleticism is unreal so to answer your question how was that that was it was fucking awesome that's what we do our people yeah. are gonna our people are gonna show up that's why i think we were at the gym we had traveled to the other gym that i train at so pendleton the reservation is about 45 minutes away from the gym that i train at he stays locally and trains at one of our affiliate gyms and yeah. um there's there's not a lot of girls there there's one other girl so i i travel out of town to get more um more roles with more females so he actually came with me that day that i messaged you and i'm like do you want to compete and he was like yeah i guess so <laughs> i'm like are you sure he was like yeah let's go i was like all right so i shoot you a message and i'm like hopefully they could find you somebody like i don't i don't know like if there's any other like kids your age are wanting to roll mind you he's 19 years old but he's been rolling since uh i want to say since he was about 13 and he's always been one of my best training partners because he will put you in the most weird situations and he'll force you to scramble like you'll have white belts who don't know what they're doing but naturally he'll he'll inspire them and motivate them to move which i think everybody needs and that's his athleticism and just how fun it is to roll with him is because he doesn't take it too seriously he likes to have fun with it but still he's going to push you to want to be your best because you see him doing these crazy rolls or flying everything and then you kind of think to yourself I could do that so then when we're in the midst of our competition I'm looking at him like I'm going to try to try try to do what you just did like teabag this this bitch like just jump into her and it's just it he he inspires you to want to do more and if if anyone has any sort of question after seeing their their match on is he really that good this kid is dope i mean super dope he he'll roll with some of the smallest people and still be faster than than them and then he'll roll with some of the biggest guys on the mat and be giving them a run for their money because he's like jumping over their backs doing back backflips and cartwheels and stuff so um i think a lot of people should be ready to see him come up on some big stages soon because i'm i'm getting ready to push him i'm like you're playing this small stuff a little bit too well like let's go <laughs> he's got the attitude for it too i think that's what makes it so uh, contagious 
is he believes everything he's saying and he's really happy to be there. He's really happy about what he's doing. He's got a gift. Absolutely. And he's, he's sharing it with the world. So yeah. Uh, the bigger the stage, I think the better he gets that that's, that's what I can see for him for sure. Absolutely. And I think it's really humbling for uh, especially indigenous people when we're born and raised on the reservation, we're kind of shown a lot of the, the negativity that can be pushed our way. So we're constantly being told from day one, like, this is it. This is your life. There's not much else you're going to be able to do except for maybe play basketball. And for some of us, like we, we grow out of that mindset of like, I don't really want to ball anymore. I want to do other things. So uh, for a, for a guy like him to be able to find something that is working for him has been really, really awesome. And so we, we grew up on the reservation. So it's always fun to hear where other people come from. So what, where are you from? What was it like growing up there? I'm from San Jose, California. Um, it was basically summer all year long. Um, 75 degrees, maybe a light breeze every day. It's phenomenal. Um, very culturally diverse. I mean, the, the name of the city is, is San Jose, and that's a Hispanic name. A lot of brown people. It's phenomenal. Um, it's, it's, it's the type of place where it's not just my home. It's a place where if I never had been there before in my life, I would go there and I would feel at home. Um, they've got Cesar Chavez Plaza. They've got, uh, you know, little Aztec banners throughout downtown. It's, um, it's a place, it, it's on a lonely land. Um, and there's a, there's a good representation of the indigenous peoples there. And, and, and that feels good too. Uh, Cause a lot of us, you know, there was a, a, a big overspill, basically. It's like Spanish people come, they colonize, they, you know, they send their, their, their missionaries, they try and get us to believe in this, this white God. Um, but there's a lot of uh, spillover and, and, and it's kind of cool to see the way that uh, past generations leading up to now, where we, we can recognize our roots and our history uh, without whitewashing everything. But it, it's very different. Um, I was, I didn't grow up on a reservation. Um, I, I, I grew up in, in San Jose where, where I didn't feel alienated, which is really cool. So I don't know why I ended up here, um, in Portland, Oregon, where it's like 86% white and I feel so, so out of place. And it, it, people let me know that I'm out of place, which is kind of fucked up that they go out of their way to do that. Um, but I, you know, that's another reason, I guess, why this uh this event is so important to me um because everyone in the jiu-jitsu community is forced to see a brown face uh presenting them some of the best jiu-jitsu that they're ever going to see and to make matters worse uh, he's he's a goddamn socialist he's not charging anybody anything and he's giving all the money away what an asshole um and so that's that's why my jiu-jitsu is the way it is too it's kind of like fuck you jiu-jitsu it's like i i'm not going to lose to anybody and i'm going to make sure that when we're done that you're as hurt as possible. Um, Cause I'm, <laughs> you know, every day I have to put up with all this, this uh, shit. Uh, it'd be nice to, to give it back to, to the same people who are giving it to me. I know that sounds vindictive and awful and petty. Um, but sometimes it's like that. And then when I'm done, you know, that's what makes me so happy and positive off the mats. Um, I've, I've expelled all the, uh, the negativity. I've expelled all the bad energy. Um, and, and, and the rest of the day is just spent trying to be the best version of myself, not only for myself, but for the people in my community. But to describe where I, I live, there's really not much more I could say other than, you know, it's a culturally diverse place that understands history and, um, and nobody feels, feels that anyone who, who shows up or lives there doesn't belong there. It's a very inclusive place. And I think that that I guess in, in a lot of ways, I'm trying to represent that with, with my everyday life here in Portland and with my charity for sure. Um, and I was raised by a woman, like I mentioned earlier in jest. I mean, it, it's true. My parents did divorce when I was five. I was raised by my mom. Um, one of my aunts lived with us for the longest time. Um, my, my grandmother on my father's side was a very strong matriarch. Um, so every authority figure in my life has, has been women and, um, I think that's why that's important to me too. And I think that's why it's important that uh, in, in the way that I present the, the event, it's not 
an exclusively women only event. It's not a niche thing. It's not a, a it's not a gimmick. Um, I'm not trying to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, anyways, I, 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 I'm not trying to exploit women uh, for the benefit of, of like ticket sales or, or donations or whatever. Um, I think that, that we're all on an equal playing field and it doesn't matter what you look like or what lays between your legs or how you identify or whatever. Um, especially in, in, in this case, cause it's a jujitsu tournament. Um, if you, if you like jujitsu, if you want to compete in jujitsu, it's open to you regardless of, of however the world sees you or you see yourself um, on those mats where we're all jujitero and, and that's what we want to provide a space for. And that's just so poetic, all of it, every <laughs> single bit of it, but you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more leaning towards like, yeah, like girls, we run this ish. So as a woman going True. into this, into this event, I always felt really welcomed. And I love the atmosphere of having all these badass women on this mat to be able to compete against. But of course you guys, you can be on there too. I guess that'd be all right. But you know, <laughs> that's just, that's just my personal opinion. That's what I love about your show. And, but I totally understand what you're trying to bring. And I love that there's a connection between where you were raised and where you're brought up and more than anything, like the home is matriarchal and it shows why you have so much respect for these women that are coming into this promotion, but also you're bringing the fact that you're coming from a very um, accepting and open, but diverse community and bringing it onto the mat as well. And I also love that you talk about your rolling styles, like a, like, fuck you jujitsu sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like this is a lot of us, I think we see it as like our, our therapy. I don't want to talk about my feelings with a whole lot of people. I don't want to talk about what's going on in here or in my in my heart i'd really much rather just go to the gym and sweat it out and do something and so that's what i think is for a lot of people is uh, we're able to exert all this negative energy that we've been carrying around all day long whenever you train going there and just pushing it out on other people like sorry for you if you got to be on the other end of that <laughs> but i mean that's that's kind of how most people i think have been able to find jujitsu and really stick with it i think that you know that's another layer to this this event um you mentioned it earlier it's very true it's it started and is continuing to progress through this pandemic and so on one hand it's like fuck are we doing the right thing should i have this event when people are dying of this disease and on the other hand i know that jujitsu is more than just um you know a boys club or or dudes beating each other up or whatever. Um, a lot of times it's like a, a massive escape mentally and emotionally. Um, and it's an art. It's definitely an art form. And a lot of people express themselves through this art form. And it's a form of communication in a lot of ways too. Sometimes when you roll with someone, you have a really good role with someone. It's as if you spent years with that person. And all of a sudden, after a good role, you want to be friends with this person, or you feel like you know this person intimately. And you kind of do. Um, cause there's a lot of nonverbal communication, uh, throughout that time you share on the mat. So it was kind of like, if, if you guys are willing to roll, if you guys are willing to train during this pandemic, then we need to offer a space for you to do it, um, with some stakes. Um, and, and, you know, for the people who aren't willing to, to roll or train during the pandemic, you're going to be able to at the very least watch, uh, this sport that you love watch this art form that you appreciate um as an escape uh, as a healthy escape because if the pandemic doesn't kill you the depression will or the you know the psychosis that that you endured during being literally locked down and not going anywhere um there's a lot of a lot of reasons why we do jujitsu and most of them i would think are healthy and so that was one of the more important things too with having this show is is providing a space for people to feel at ease and, and not feel the pressure of there's a deadly pandemic and, you know, everything feels like it's turning to shit right now. Um, so a little bright spot in people's lives, ideally. Absolutely. And you've definitely provided that 110%. 
And you started this in the middle of the pandemic when everything was shut down, but now we're kind of reaching towards the, the end of the, this COVID era. So what are your, what are your hopes? What are your goals for this promotion? What, what's it going to look like? What, what are you hoping for in the next year? Um, that's a really good question. It's, I feel it's definitely slowed down. And I think part of that is lack of participation. I think what people don't understand is um, if no one wants to compete, then we have nothing to show. And if we have nothing to show, then there's no show. Um, so I kind of always expected that once things start to reopen, maybe it would just go away. That's not something that I would want, but I just assume that, you know, nothing lasts forever. Things change. Um, people change. And so it, it might go away, but in a perfect world, it stays and it only gets bigger and better. And, and I, I played with the idea. I'd, I'd done some posts, uh, tried to crowdsource some information, how people felt about a pro show, maybe a paid uh, tournament, and then paid uh, uh, main and co-main um, belts, things like that. But kind of like the way that your tournament ended with the EBI overtime is the kind is kind of how I feel about all that stuff too. You know, I mentioned earlier the, the decolonization of jujitsu, um, you know, you, you pay for jujitsu every day in so many different ways, not only with your dollar. Um, I thought not charging athletes would be enough. Um, I thought that that in and of itself would be, enough that people would appreciate it and respect it and understand, okay, cool. Here's someone who's trying to do something different. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing again, cause the lack of, of diversity up here um, or, or maybe uh, a, an economic thing, like a socio-political thing where, you know, people are very greedy and they just want money and shiny things. Um, but none of that falls in line with, with the ideals or principles that I started this off with, which is to make everything as inclusive as possible and free and giving back to the community. So it kind of sucks because I think if the show were to continue, and I think it could easily continue, even just the way it is, maybe just with less shows, you know, not every week or every other week, like it's been now it's, it's slowing down to like every three weeks. Um, I, I don't mind putting it on forever until I die, until my hair grows back. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know what the future holds for it. And I, I wish I had plans, but really, I just like most things I'm flying by the seat of my pants and, um, whatever, whatever it is that, that my community needs, that's what I want to provide. And if at some point my community feels that they don't need this or want this anymore, then uh, I'll put my efforts into something else. I have uh, a few other ideas and they're just as fun. And yeah, I can always move on to another endeavor. I mean, not to mention I work full time. That's I, I, I love the opportunity that you're giving me right now to just ramble endlessly because I don't get to do that on the show necessarily. And there's so many thoughts and things that I go through leading up to the show that I don't get to share with people. And I, you know, maybe they don't care anyways, but it's nice for me. I appreciate that for me, you're giving me a space to just kind of dump it all out there. Uh, it's nice. It's really nice. And, and sometimes it can get me into trouble. I, I did a, a, a podcast a few months ago with a verbal tap with Rafa Sparza, no relation. And I got a lot of flack from a lot of 10 planet people because I had mentioned, and I guess here I am now, I mentioned that the specific gym that we were talking about, uh, my, my original partner and I was 10 planet Portland. And that, that was the place where, you know, the guy had issues and he felt the place was toxic. And I, I recognized that it was toxic. And the reason why I trained with Josiah, not only is Josiah not white, uh, Josiah also felt the 10 planet Portland was toxic. Um, so I think it's, it's, uh, it's important to, to let it all be out there and to let people know, like, look, it, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's, there's no wrong way to live a life. 
Um, and I'm just trying to do what's right for me in my community. And if, if you don't identify as, as my neighbor, as someone who cares for me and wants to see me flourish in life, then that's totally fine. I still want the best for you. Um, but I have to make sure that, that me and my people are going to be here tomorrow so that we can, um, we can continue to grow and celebrate this, this occasion that we have in front of us called life. Um, so what does the future hold for Heart and Hustle as, as the pandemic slows down or, and things open up? Um, I don't know, but I know that um, the, the ethos of that brand will never die as long as I'm alive. Um, cause it's just an extension of me. Like I said earlier, it's, I never thought of it as, as like a company or an entity or anything like that. It's just an extension of myself and it's, it's me having fun. Um, and so if people don't want it anymore, if they don't like the fact that I'm like, uh, outspoken in some ways about how I'm not white or, you know, people get really weird and sensitive about race. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being white. I'm just saying that I'm not it. And the more that everyone makes me feel alienated, the more I feel like, okay, well, I'm just going to continue to embrace who I am. Instead of hating myself, instead of trying to hide that, I'm going to celebrate it. And if it feels like I'm rubbing it in your face, I'm really not. Uh, I'm just showing you that, that there's different ways to live a life. And if something as simple as my skin color um, offends you, then... <laughs> You can fuck right off. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. the the show The show will will, will go on for for forever, um, and maybe it'll take different different forms, and maybe it'll it'll you know change, and you might not be able to recognize it completely in the future, but it'll always be there. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that you said that I'm like, let's get into this, but it's. <laughs> Firstly, the, the, right off the top of my head, we all have our opinions about 10th Planet. I'm like, fuck y'all with your leg locks and every little thing that you want to do with my legs, leave them alone. Um, but I mean, that's that's kind of like the overall opinion of 10th Planet. It's like, that's all they're going to do. I'm always like, yo, get this girl into a gi, but it wouldn't be the same story sort of thing. But, you know, we all we all have our, our ways with that. But also when we're talking about race and jujitsu which is something that i haven't been able to be given the opportunity to talk about so it's amazing that we're here like things the creator has his plan and he has everything in place how how it's supposed to be but i've never been able to sit down with somebody and have a conversation with uh these two topics brought together because i've always felt so alone in it every gym that i go to is all these white guys trying to tell me how, first of all, as a woman, how I'm supposed to move my body. And then secondly, how I'm supposed to be able to think on the same level as them. And it's like, you don't understand that when I come here to do this sport, it is because I have an entire community, either my family, my local community, the reservation that I live on, or the entire indigenous community riding with me. And that's a huge responsibility that I take very personally. I hold it really close to my heart. And you know, the Mexican culture and Native American culture are very close, closely related. And we're, we're both indigenous people to the original land of where we're from. So we, we obviously have things in common. We're able to sympathize with each other and understand each other where some other cultures might not. Um, so it's really interesting that you bring that up. And I, I say all this because when we're talking about your show and the growth of it and the, the lack of participation, participation that's what I have a really hard time with sometimes as a competitor I'm like yo why are you even doing this sport if you don't get paid for it you don't want any part of it what are you what are you doing this for like as historically we know when you do things led with some sort of monetary gain you're gonna fail at it like it, it's been shown time and time again like when you're led by money it's just gonna fail and you're gonna fall and it's gonna suck for you while the rest of us out here with the heart and the mindset of wanting to compete or wanting to just train because it's literally for our survival, literally for our survival. And that's what gets me really frustrated with some athletes. Like, I want to roll. I want to compete. I want to be the best. I want to do this. I'm, then join some of these upcoming shows, go to these shows that are starting from, because like you said, you don't get the space to be able to vent and talk about the, the struggles that you have as a promoter. I don't think promoters are given enough credit for the work that they do because there go, there's a lot that goes into this. It's not just, okay, everybody show up and then roll, have your fun. And then disperse. like, there's, 
the buildup to the event, the actual event, and then kind of your deflation time for afterwards, trying to think like, is that how it was supposed to go? Should we have done something different? Like you said, when we went into that overtime, we were doing EBI rule set. You're kind of like, that was weird. But I mean, it's a learning experience. Like you got to have like the growing pains and things like that. But I, I still love the promotion. Any opportunity that I would get to be able to be on your show, I will continue to do so just because I love this sport so much and it has literally saved my life and it has been my my longest, most loyal relationship. I mean, like, I, I'm in my second marriage, but I've, I've always been like, jujitsu will always be it for me because there's never been a question whenever I step on that mat, how it makes me feel. Like, I love it 90% of the time, 10% of the time, I absolutely fucking hate it because I'm getting hurt or I just my game ain't solid that day or something but you know I I have hopes that your your show is going to continue to grow and even if it grows into a pro show which I mean for some athletes they get excited about that they like the hype they like the the belts they like the money they like all that but um, I think for those of us that have been come from very humbling backgrounds where it's like a do or die sort of thing where if I didn't have this I'm I'd probably literally be dead um, we have a different mindset and I feel like we're, we're kind of on the same page with that, um, where we just want to roll. We, we literally just want to be able to express ourselves in that sort of way. So I'm excited to see where, where your show will go. And I, I, I really do think it's going to go someplace. I didn't understand. I, I did not know that you were doing shows every other weekend. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. I think, I think there's more shows than I've counted i stopped posting every week's bracket on the uh or saving them to the the highlights of my my heart and hustle jiu-jitsu instagram so i don't really know what week we're on but it's been a lot it's been since november so that's a long long time that's a lot of shows probably too many shows <laughs> um and i always wonder if that's part of it too that because i have them so often um you know people are exhausted or whatever but Definitely. We think about things differently. I, I, I can attest to that. I, I can see that. Um, I'm a dog. If I could roll every day for the rest of my life, hard style, like competition style, I would do that because that's what I want to do. That's what I wake up in the morning for. Um, but not everyone has that. So it is what it is. Um, and, and as far as the evolution of the show, um, I've talked about it a little bit. I like the idea of renting a van um, myself, Josiah, uh, maybe one other person, we go to 10 gyms across the state or across the, um, the coastline and look, give us your best Brown belt. He's going to face Josiah. We're, we're going to put up a hundred dollars, um, record it all. And then, you know, have a little episodic show. Um, yeah, I, I think that'd be kind of fun too. That's a whole different adventure. Uh, very different of course, but, um, you know, with that, Hopefully we could show showcase Josiah, showcase other guys and uh, kind of broaden our, our, our network of, of Jujuteros and gyms, you know, who's aware of us and our brand and who else falls in line with the, the same mindset of jujitsu should be for everybody. Jujitsu shouldn't cost, you know, hundreds of dollars in gear and memberships and it doesn't have to be, you know, a bunch of guys preaching some gospel, you know, some cult mentality. Um, you should be able to, to free think and, and free move and do your jujitsu however you see fit. You know, Trey's jujitsu is wild. Um, that dude flew out of nowhere, submitted the guy. And I just imagine that most of his matches are probably going to be like that. You know, your jujitsu is different. You're very uh, pressure oriented. Uh, as am I, I, I have a whole pinch headlock system. I love Keskatami, you know, the, the scarf fold Josiah's thing is leg locks from any position and any angle. Um, everybody does it differently. Um, and that's, you know, that belt system is kind of goofy too, but that's neither here nor there. My point is, is that, um, jujitsu should be inclusive, not just in, in the, the bare minimum of, of including everybody, no matter what they look like or how they identify but uh, also how you do jujitsu. Um, and so that, that's the next idea is if, if people don't want to compete on a heart and muscle show, um, we'll take the show on the road literally and uh, beat people up. And, and at the same time, 
kind of let everyone know, look, it doesn't matter how you do jujitsu. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Um, if it, if it works, it works. If it makes you happy, then keep doing that. However that looks like. Yeah. So when you, y'all have this, uh, van and you start traveling, um, we can, we can throw Cole on there and, and we'll, <laughs> we'll go call out some girls too, you know? Hell yeah. That'd be dope. <laughs> you know, I've been really, cause I, I follow both you and Josiah on Instagram and I, I love like the space that you guys got. It's really cool. It looks really tight knit. So I'd really love to be able to come train with you guys sometimes. And you know, my leg lock game, I'll, I'll be honest, we'll put this out there is, uh, I probably have maybe three hours total of leg lock training because yeah. I've just I have always been so scared. I'm like, I like my kneecaps where they're at. I like everything in alignment here. Um, but you know, as your game starts to evolve, you got to start adding and incorporating other things. So I've been, you know, doing a little bit here and there. And a, lo a lot of people that I roll with, especially my coach and mentor, Jeremy Harrington, uh, he will always say like, you're always going for legs. Like, what are you doing? You're always going for legs now. And I'm like, I did not know that. And literally have probably had um, black belt professor Alex Laramie sit with me for maybe like 30 minutes to work on some stuff. And then a, another local purple belt here in Pendleton uh, that gave me some of his time. So, and he includes some, maybe some of the rolling and training with that. But yeah, if that's Josiah's game right there, I'd love to be able to pick his brain about that and pick up maybe some tips and things. So, you know, if this van thing happens, come swoop me up in Eastern Oregon and we'll we'll go tour some gyms and start calling people out and say, yo, plan. let's yeah. go. Let's and he's go. a really good teacher too. Um, so he's been working with me on leg locks. I've always done this Imanari role that I could never really finish. Um, and we've been going over some, some different drills and stuff, but is it super safe, uh, super concise? And if anyone's going to teach me leg locks, it would be Josiah. So I, I, I would say if there's one person you could trust with your ankles and your knees, it's that guy for sure. And, and that basement's open to, to anybody and everybody. We're, we're a part of this thing called the collective. Um, and so uh, Oli Turley, I, I believe is his full name. Um, he and uh, a friend of, of ours, Mason, I uh, don't remember Mason's last name. Sorry, Mason. Um, but they, they loved heart and hustle and they, they liked the idea behind it and they've got something similar going on. And so basically it's this, um, a group of individuals who want to provide jujitsu to whoever wants to do jujitsu. Um, and they want to have affiliate gyms and it's like, wherever you're at, you can find a space, a safe space to do jujitsu. Um, and so we're a part of that. We're a part of the collective. Um, so our, our mat space is open to pretty much anybody who wants to show up and train. Um, you know, you don't have to pay a million dollars. You don't have to buy a certain uniform. You don't have to abide by uh, whatever Brazilian rules. Um, that's, that's their, their whole thing with the collective. Cause they come from a gi background and I guess a lot of traditional uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu gyms that come from the gi have a lot of rules as far as uniform and like etiquette and the, the way you can talk and who you can roll with. And apparently like lower belts can't talk to upper belts. So anyways, we're a part of that. And uh, yeah, you, all your friends, anybody who wants to show up, uh, hit us up at the collective, uh, BJJ on Instagram, I believe it is the collective jujitsu. I'll have to double check that, but yeah, uh, Josiah's gym is a part of that. And he's going to start teaching at their, their home gym on Saturdays. So just want to throw that out there. Uh, heart and hustle. Isn't the only inclusive uh, entity in jujitsu in the Pacific Northwest. Now we've got the collective. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, that sounds super dope. And you, we'll need to make sure to, we'll get all the links and all the Instagram pages. We'll link them in the show notes. So if all of you oh, are cool. looking for places to train, people to follow, like, you know, Ramon and Josiah are definitely people you want to keep your eyes on. Um, it was really interesting watching Josiah roll. I'm just going to say that. What was that match that I went to the first time? It was like a 27 minute roll that him and uh, Morgan had. Oh, yeah, that was a good show. So that, that whole tournament was stacked. Um, ooh, how I have a bad habit of being honest to a fault. Uh, 
there's that particular 10 planet gym, not the entire system, but that particular 10 planet gym in Portland. Um, fuck it. Let's get into it. Fuck them. Uh, what are they going to do? Let's go. Let's, let's smash go. Uh, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah. So Josiah, like I said, has his, his, uh, his, his qualms with that gym. And uh, Morgan's a part of that gym and they have this elitist attitude. They've got this air about them that they feel that they're better than everybody that they, they are jujitsu. And maybe that's false. Maybe that's just something that, that, that we've made up in our heads, but everyone that day was really happy that, that Josiah smashed Morgan. No offense. Morgan. I like more Morgan's a sweetheart. Um, But Andrew Weigel and Morgan Matizak are from that gym and Josiah's whole thing was, look, I'm going to show him I'm better at jiu-jitsu. I'm going to show him I'm better at jiu-jitsu. So I'm going to fuck with this guy for 26 minutes. And in the 27th minute, I'm going to sub him. And they had a rematch at uh, Battle Grappling. Oh, I'm fucking up all over the place just saying all this shit. Um, they had a match at Battle Grappling. And it was like a 10-minute um, regulation. And then they were going to have EBI overtime if it went to that. Josiah subbed him in like a minute uh, with a knee bar. So anyways, to answer your question, that was that match. <laughs> and then they had a rematch. Um, but yeah, that was Josiah's whole thing was, well, of course he wanted to win the tournament first and foremost, but he wanted to show those two guys specifically that uh, his jujitsu was, was head and shoulders better. And he did. Um, I couldn't show favoritism as, as his friend and promoter, Um so he ended up going against Paul Kaufman from 10 planet grants pass. Who's just a, a really strong guy. It's, it's weird for 175 pounds and he doesn't, he's not shredded. He doesn't have like abs everywhere. He doesn't have like capped delts or a massive chest, but the dude's strong. Uh, I've rolled with him before right now. I'm 250 pounds. I think when I rolled with him, I was probably about 220 pounds, but the dude felt just as strong, if not stronger, which is insane. Um, so I knew that that was going to be the toughest match for everybody in that bracket. Um, and it ended up being the toughest match in that bracket, but yeah, you, you got to see a pretty good show. Um, that's what that match was about. That's that whole bracket was about really was who's the best 170 pounder, 175 pounder, um, in the Pacific Northwest at, at that rank, which was at the time purple belt. Um, did that answer no. your question? I'm sorry. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have any sort of like edge either way because I, I didn't really know the guys when we were there, but as a onlooker, it was watching Josiah's style. He was very nonchalant by sticking his legs out there and he, he'd lay there, like do the whole Nate Diaz of just like, come on, let's go. And yeah. I'm just like, dang, I want to get to that point of being so confident with putting my legs out there, but also that same tournament I had just gotten heel hooked and pretty sure I tore my LCL but you know it was just like very first match out there did that finished the rest of the tournament end up what like second basically but now now that you're saying that I can kind of see it because I I do follow both on Instagram um they both ended up messaging me afterwards and Josiah's stuck out obviously just because he's like this whole game's whitewash so glad to see another brown person basically so that one really stuck out but kind of watching now I can see it now I can see a little bit of the dramatics which is crazy because uh, uh I'll, I'll say it. I think guys are a little bit more dramatic when it comes to this game they have a little bit more of uh grudges and quarrels I that's not to say that I haven't had my own I mean I I talked to you about it after the show I had a little bit of a vendetta when I went into that bracket I was like there's one girl I gotta beat just because she had a little bit of a nasty attitude last time we ran into each other and you know when I'm on the mat I'm pretty respectful I hold it together um, and also before matches, after matches is another thing that my friend Jeremy would, he comes at me. He's like, I don't know why you talk to these girls. Like, why do you talk to them before and after? Like, how do you become such good friends with them when you're supposed to be competing? I'm like, I don't know. It's not like I'm out here trying to kill them, but like, yeah. we're very rare. Like women in the sport are, are rare. And when we run into each other, we understand we already have these commonalities in place. So it's like, this is dope. I get to roll with another girl that's like on the same level, like, let's go. So it's, we usually try to be pretty nice, but, um, but yeah, that was a little bit in that last show. If anybody caught any of the videos or watched the live stream, there was a couple things that I pulled because I was just like, it, it, sometimes it, you, you're super humbling sport and you remain humble in your journey and everything. And I've always been taught that, especially with my cultural background. But, you know, every once in a while, you, you got to let a bitch know. Like, 
you gotta you gotta put on a throw sometimes and you know it wasn't a full send I, it was a little baby one um but still there's there's been times for even for girls that we kind of go out there and we we do the same thing where we're just like oh you gotta remind people that like not to be fucked with absolutely absolutely and i you know it's it's nice though that you recognize that it's kind of a rarity to be a woman in the sport so you still want to foster that relationship and you know I guess remind your your fellow female competitors that there's plenty of room at the table for everybody and that you want to see everyone succeed. You know, just because we had a match or you were upset leading into that match doesn't mean that you have any ill will towards that person. Um, Men can be divas, the male ego. There's nothing more fragile than the male ego. Um, Guys get caught up in this whole thing about like Omerta and, and, you know, don't say anything and you got to be a hard ass all the time. And, you know, oh, if you don't like me, we have beef instantly. Look, first off, no one up here, especially is hard like that. This place is soft as baby shit. So shut the fuck up. Second, we all do jujitsu. We're all in a close proximity. We're all going to see each other, you know, on a, on a monthly basis, weekly basis, daily basis. We're going to run into each other on social media. Let's be friendly. You know what I mean? And whatever beef you have, just throw it in the air and, 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 and let it, let it die. Let it lay. Um, because at the end of the day, all we have as far as the sport is each other. And again, we can't, we can't choke ourselves. You know, it's not the same as, is is rolling with someone else. So whatever, whatever beef is bullshit. Um, we have to take care of our, our community and our, our neighbors. We have to take care of our fellow Jujutero. Um, so all that being said, um, Morgan and Joe are, are, are friends or friendly. Um, so that's good. And I think everyone else can learn from, from that. You know, there's nothing wrong with friendly competition. Um, at the same time, when it's done, it's done. You know, at the end of the day, we should at the very least be friendly to each other. And that's what I really appreciate about uh, Morgan too, is he's a real, he's a sweetheart. So that's, I'm, it's not surprising to hear that he messaged you after your win. Um, he's a, he's a really good kid. I like him a lot. Uh, and I wish that at, at some point that we could all, all train together. Um, you know, I, I know I talked about the toxicity of that gym. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm never going to go back there. It's a big facility. There's a lot of people, they have great seminars. You know what I mean? Like, um, Ideally, people would would legitimately put their ego aside and um, just just do what's best for for everybody rather than themselves. Sometimes we forget that it's we, not me. Life is a team sport. And uh, what's that 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 saying? Uh, If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go farther, go together. We're only going to get to the top if we're all together. You know what I mean? Life, life can be lonely enough as it is. And if you start alienating people for the sake of your ego, then, then you're going to live a pretty miserable life. Um, so yeah, that, that was the heat going into it, but luckily at the end of everything, um, everybody was still really cool, humble, appreciative for the roles. Uh, and I think that's the way it should be is, um, you know, murder on the mats and hugs off the mats. Wow. I mean, you said it all right there. It's, it's like, it's crazy to me because I, I, I grew up with brothers. I grew up with cousins. So for me also being raised by a very old school, stoic, traditional dad, it was like, if you have issues with somebody and you're going to fight it out, just fucking fight it out and then be done with it. Squash it. Like if y'all are really that mad at each other, throw your hands and then help each other back up. And that's how my brothers were raised was when they had issues do what you need to do, but we're not going to sit here and drag this out forever. It, there's no point in that. And so yeah. when I've come into sports like this, it's the, the same thing, which is awesome for anyone that's ever thought about like, should I train in jujitsu? Should I try it out? There are so many lessons to be learned on the mat that are applicable to off the mat to everyday life. So just like you said, when there's these things like these uh, little, I don't know, just little diva matches that are going on like no, i'm better no i'm better and then as soon as you're done you're gonna you're still gonna hug them you're still gonna be like yo that was dope that was a really good role or hey you had me in that position or no i got you in that one so it, it always ends up being 
good anyways, especially in jujitsu and things like that. Um, that's not to say you still have some of your, your kind of like rotten apples that will kind of go off and do their own thing and kind of make it, make it all about them. But overall the, the atmosphere and vibe from jujitsu is you're, you're always going to be able to learn something that you can apply to real life and how you're navigating through your own journey, which is what I love about the sport. It's what I love about the community, community, whether it be training or competing everywhere I go, I have always made the intent to meet people that I can continue a friendship with or training with or anything with. So that's what I love about the sport. And, you know, you, you've done create another space for that, for people to just like that between Morgan and Josiah, they, they did their thing and now they're, they're probably chill. And if they were to hit each other up, be like, yo, let's, let's train, let's train. And it'd be exactly that. So anyone that's ever questioned, should I try jujitsu? Fuck yes, you should. There should yeah, never be like absolutely. a hesitation. Absolutely. So man, I feel like we, even if we were to get off of like jujitsu and not talk about that, I feel like you and I could probably get into a whole conversation about everything and anything. And this has been so amazing. And to have this opportunity to sit down with you, pick your brain a little bit, talk about like the ins and outs of heart and hustle jujitsu and just even your own game and what you've got going on in your own life. This has been really awesome. And I absolutely thank you for um, just coming into this space and telling, telling us the things. So is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with any words of wisdom? Oh shit. Um, well, one, yeah, I, I'm surprised that this is going to end considering it does feel like we could talk about anything for a long time, which is a compliment I think to, to, to you as well. Um, parting wisdom. Oof, that's rough. Love each other. Um, wake up with a smile on your face, uh, count your blessings, you know, uh, announce to yourself things that you're grateful for, things that you have in your life, things that you don't have in your life. Appreciate the people around you. Take care of them. They're the ones who are going to take care of you when you're not so hot. Um, be, be good to each other. And, and above all else, um, remember, again, life is a team sport. Um, so it, it's not just you. On the days when you're not feeling so great, remember that, that you, you have to dig deeper because there's people who are relying on you. And on the days that you feel amazing, continue to give that love to everyone around you, including yourself. Um, take care of yourselves. Yeah, I love you. I hope all the best for you. Today's been the best day ever. Tomorrow's going to be just as good, if not better. Fortune cookie that shit. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Enough is Enough podcast. If you would like more information on our host, guests, or podcast episodes, please visit us on Instagram at EIE541. 